0: Hi, this is David Spray of the IC Disc Show. I just finished a great interview with Ron Hallmark of Hibbs Hallmark. They're a specialty property and casualty insurance broker, and with a focus in the scrap metal industry. And we uh, uh, this will be a really useful uh, episode for somebody in the pro- the uh, scrap metal industry, because whereas a lot of the Scrap metal companies are served by more generalist brokers who cover a variety of industries but might be uh, geographically local. Uh, Ron's company's approach is the exact opposite. They focus in just one industry with a national practice. And we dive into some of the reasons why using a specialty insurance broker if you're in the scrap metal business uh, can really make a lot of economic sense including uh, potentially dramatically lower premiums, better coverage, and better claims uh, paying results in the event of a claim. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed it. Thanks.
1: Hey Ron, how are you today? Hey David, doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, we are live,
0: and uh, thank you for joining me on the IC Disc Show.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me
0: sure so the last few of these i've uh i've read the bio of the guest and i'll be honest that's not my favorite way to do it and since i don't have a bio for you handy uh let's do it the way i like to do it um so let me introduce you and then uh i'll ask you some questions about your background and then we'll bring us up to speed so uh so thank you for being on the show uh And uh, Ron Hallmark has been a longtime resource of our firm. He's with a firm uh, that specializes in property and casualty insurance for the scrap metal business. And Ron has worked with uh, many of our clients through the years and has done a great job. And um, so we'll just get right into your background. So so first of all, um, tell us who you're with and um, what you guys do.
1: Sure, David. Uh, Again, it's Ron Hallmark, and I am a property and insurance agent with Hibbs and Company. Um, We're an insurance company out of Texas. Uh, We work all over the country. And specifically, I specialize with scrap metal dealers, um, providing risk management services, insurance policies, different types of services to that industry. And uh, the name of our program is Recycle Pro Insurance. And been doing it about, gosh, 25 years now.
0: Okay. That's excellent. And, um, I believe, uh, you're a native Texan.
1: Yeah, I am. We're actually, gosh, I think f- I'm fourth generation. My son and daughter are fifth generation Texans. So I'm yeah, proud of that, obviously.
0: Awesome. Most I Texans believe we are. Yeah. I, and I fortunately am a naturalized Texan. So I, you know, got here as quick as I could. And, uh, <laughs> And I believe we uh, both went to the same uh, college, the University of Texas in Austin. Is that right?
1: Welcome Horn. Sure did. Yeah. As it was surprising a lot of, or at least our southwest, uh, in the southwest part of the United States, a lot of our customers went there as well.
0: Yeah. it's uh, the, the tentacles uh, run deep. So um, what is it about the scrap industry that interests you so much that you'd uh, choose to specialize in this industry over others?
1: David, I know you can attest to this it's um you know it just gets in your blood it's such a unique industry as anyone associated with it knows and more importantly just such a unique um uh, individuals that, that belong in it to the owners of the companies and so forth just um as you know people have such great energy and uh, drive and uh, just kind of bigger than life but um uh, yeah just a great group feel it really is, it's kind of the industry itself and the, and the people of the industry that that um you know, excite me the most about it, and and draw me to it the most. It's, um, you know, one of the things I think is the neatest part of it is is the multi generational aspect of the scrap industry. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's I'm sure you can attest to third, fourth, fifth, fifth generation families own a lot of these companies that are make up our customers. And um, I mean, what a blessing to get to know some of the older gentlemen. That a lot of them have passed away since, but when I first started 25 years ago, um, got to know them, visit with them at their offices, and now I'm seeing their their grandsons and daughters and grand great granddaughters and great grandsons uh, operating the businesses now. So that's being a big family member, a family person myself. It's just uh, something else that draws me to it. Um, and, yeah, of course I, the new the new blood coming into the industry as well highly educated uh, young people. It's it's exciting times.
0: Yeah, I would uh, I would agree. That's one of the things I enjoy. Um, although we're not 100 percent focused on the scrap metal business, it's uh, our largest industry sector. And, uh, yeah, that multi generational aspect is really neat as you can, um, you know, kind of stay with the same company uh, for multiple generations. That's um, and, and after a while you start to feel like you're part of their family as well.
1: Yeah. And it's sad to see some sell out to, to larger companies. I know that's part of the process, but uh, it's, you know. Even for people like us, it's kind of a loss, you know, when that happens because you hate to see it go.
0: Sure, sure. So, your, uh, all your your decades of experience in the scrap business and your focus on the scrap business, uh, how do you think that benefits your customers?
1: Well, I think in a lot of ways, again, it just gets back to the unique aspect of the scrap industry and the, the risks, unique risks that, that they all face. You know, I wrote my first scrap account, I think around I was trying to think of this the other day, around 26 years ago, and kind of never looked back, just been hooked since. Um, you know, it's so complex and so unique, um, probably, you know, one of the things is we've developed exclusive insurance markets, because what happens is a lot of, around the country, a lot of scrap dealers just use their local agent in town, who who are great agents and, you know, have great services, but, but they don't truly understand the scrap industry. Uh, they don't have that intimate knowledge of the industry. That's really important because, of the, like we talked about, sort of the risks, unique risks that are facing their industry. And you have to have specific insurance coverages for that. And over time, over the 25, 26 years, we've been real instrumental in sort of developing some of these um, these coverages that are unique to that industry that really cover the risks that your traditional policy and agents are not able to. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's been a big part of it. You know, the other part of it that we've seen, too, is you know, you buy insurance to cover claims and it's not unusual for an insurance company to try to deny a claim, sometimes rightfully so, and and sometimes not. But, you know, having that experience and understanding of the the industry allows us to be that advocate for our customers, you know, to fight those cases. And and it's very common that we're able to get claims that are initially denied, overturned and paid. And again, it's Mm -hmm. because of that unique knowledge that um, of the industry and how it works uh, behind the scenes that we're able to kind of uh, use that and
0: be their advocate. Yeah, I can, uh, I, I, I've, I've heard firsthand stories of our clients, uh, about, uh, that you have served them in that advocacy, uh, that advocacy role. So what, what types of, uh, you know, products and services specifically do you provide uh, to the
1: scrap yeah, industry? But, yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, um, you know on the outset, obviously the answer the first part of the answer would be uh, property casualty insurance policies. that would be general liability, workers' comp, property equipment, um, auto, commercial auto, um, umbrella, pollution. You're going down the list of insurance policies. And, and again, our job is to find you know the, the needs of our customers, determine the needs of our customers with them, find the right policies to fit their needs, design them in a way that, that cover those needs. Um, but then beyond that, too, kind of what makes us different, sets us aside, I believe, anyway, is all the other services we offer. Can we really look at it from a holistic sort of approach. We're not there just to sell insurance. We're there to protect them, yes, through insurance policies and risk management. But also, we do things, um, help help them get uh, employee safety programs set up, fleet safety programs set up, uh, all ty- different types of risk management services we provide them. We, if they do, let's say, some um, demo work and con- contract work. We review mm-hmm. contracts. Um, you know, we analyze our work comp experience modifier, which very few agents do. A lot of times, we're able to find mistakes in that and actually get it corrected, and sometimes get refunds for our customers. So again, oh, wow. just a lot of we kind of look at the big picture, and, and we're just we're problem solvers. We try to help them any way we can, even if we don't, you know, benefit from it. Hmm.
0: No, that uh, that that makes sense. Um, so you would kind of touched on some things you do that are kind of above and beyond in terms of safety programs and contract review. Um, but I think that kind of dovetails into my next question of uh, what are some of the exposures or risks that are unique to the scrap uh, industry that your background uh, helps you better advise your clients on?
1: Sure. Yeah. We kind of alluded to that earlier. You know, when I, I one of my very first customers, 25 years ago or so, um, I remember very vividly when visiting with him. He was complaining to me, and I say customer; he was a prospect at that time. But I was listening to him, and he was explaining what his frustrations had been, and he tried to communicate that to his current agent at the time. For years, he said, "You know, Ron, I'm, I'm a non-fair dealer, and and the insurance industry charges a rate multiplied by my gross sales, and that he felt it was unfair, and I agreed with him that." His counterpart, who's a Ferris dealer, his revenues are much lower compared to the non Ferris guy just because the, the price yeah, on of a the per pound. Day. Yeah, yeah on a per pound. Basis. Yeah. So he's looking at the non Ferris guys and he knows he's being charged the same rate that the Ferris guy is. And mm-hmm. so, but the non Ferris guy has much higher revenues. Right. Both of them may not do any difference in tonnage or profits, yet the non Ferris guy is getting penalized um, because the system the insurance system is set up to charge you you know by your gross yeah, sales. By,
0: by revenues yeah yeah okay yeah, and
1: so we and so we were able to go i went to the underwriter at that time and uh, was able to convince them of the situation explained it to them I educated them on the situation and we actually got a credit applied to his rates to bring it back more in line with what the fares dealer would be
0: okay so
1: from there we just we kind of we backed on that over the years, and we looked for opportunities and developed uh, markets that would uh, base the journal liability instead of on gross revenue. They'd base it on, say, number of employees, or tonnage, or payroll, you know, or some some exposure other than sales. And that's been a real, real big plus over the years.
0: And when you say you, you develop markets uh, for for products, uh, t- tell me what that what that means exactly.
1: Sure. Well it started off, you know, years ago um, where markets would come to us and we would help educate them and we would um get we would work with them to design endorsements and different you know, additions to their policies to cover some of these unique needs um of our of our customers. You know, a couple of things we hadn't mentioned, another would be the, the risk of um a scrap metal dealer unknowingly purchasing stolen material. And that's a kind of a big claim we see quite a bit these days. Um, what can happen with that is the the insured will will sell it off, will shred it, bail it. They'll change the form in some way where the rightful owner comes back. He cannot return that to the rightful owner in the same form it was in before. So and then at that time, then they're made legally liable for the value of that material that they purchased that was stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been something that was not traditionally covered by insurance. And over the years, we've helped develop endorsements with insurance calls, insurance companies that address that that do cover that. Another one would be impaired properties coverage. And that's where a scrap yard, they sell metal to a mill and it's supposed to meet certain specs or chemistry. And if it doesn't meet that, it can actually cause a, what we call bad melt or a loss of heat at the mill. And that's a financial loss to the mill that they turn around and charge that back against our scrap customers. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a coverage that we helped develop over the years and now have, there's only a handful of companies that have it available. Um, and one of the greatest things, to be honest with you, Dave, is just this experience and everything. You know how it is in the business where insurance companies know we know what we're talking about. We know, we know the industry. Um, and so they come to us and want to develop programs with us. They want to give us exclusive rights to programs, you know, et cetera. And so all that comes back to help our customers and just better pricing and better coverage. Um, so mm-hmm. those are your biggest benefits.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. It's uh, the world is becoming more and more specialized, isn't it?
1: It is in so many industries, but yeah, definitely in this one. Yeah. And the, and the same uh, the some price, you know, I hate to, to price is one of the things that always catches the attention of of course customers and prospective customers. And it's it's not not unusual at all, believe it or not. I mean, to walk in and actually save people, cut their insurance in half, premiums in half. Sometimes wow. that's surprising to people, but it really just all gets back to being with the right insurance company, having access to that right specialized insurance company, and it really can make that kind of dramatic difference on pricing. Mm-hmm. And then, but you know, we quickly want to not focus so much on the price. but get more into the coverage because it doesn't matter how much you save. You know, if you have an uncovered risk or an uncovered claim, excuse me, uh, of hundred thousand dollars, it isn't covered because you didn't have the right kind of policy. Well, there's no no amount of savings that really justifies that.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, no, that's, that's helpful. Um, well, you know, my favorite part of doing these podcasts are getting into the real life, uh, stories. Um, so could you give some examples of companies you've helped, uh, uh and obviously you're going to, uh, do this anonymously and, uh, but just to, you know, give us a sense of the, you know, the, the type of company and, you know, what the, issue or opportunity was and what you were able to, uh, to do to help them.
1: Sure. Um, let's see. I think one of the first ones that jumped out to my, in my mind is we talked earlier about kind of being an advocate in a claim situation where the insurance company initially denies the claim. Mm -hmm. We had one customer that sold some material to a mill and the mill came back and charged them for a loss of heat. And their reasoning for it was that there was too much lead too great of a percentage of lead in the in the chemistry or mix of metals they sold the mill, and so the insurance company, pointing to the exclusion of the policy for total lead exclusion, denied the claim. Well, understanding the industry, we we understood in understanding insurance, of course, we understood that the reason for that exclusion typically is for a contamination issue. This this was not a claim of contamination from the mill. This was a claim of too great a percentage of lead. Not a question. The mm-hmm. lead was in there, but there's just too much of it. Could have been too little lead mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to bring that to attention, educate the, the um, claims department of this insurance carrier, and get that overturned and paid. Okay. So that, that's one example. Um, let's see. You know, another one I love is I have fun with this because anytime we save people a lot of money and and problem solve for people, that that's kind of what this is all about, we have fun with it. But we had one customer that was or actually a prospect, and we started working with him and. We started looking at his work comp, his experience modifier, and we just noticed some things didn't look right on it. And so we sent it to one of our consultants, and they reviewed it, and sure enough found out that there was a mistake on their experience modifier. And for those who don't know, experience modifier is a modifier that is added to your work comp policy that either increases or decreases your premium. And so if there's a modifier that is a a debit modifier, like a 1.2, that would be a 20% increase of your premium based on that modifier. And that was a situation similar to what they had. They were being charged about 20 or 30% more because of this incorrect modifier. And so we got it corrected and not only got it corrected for the future, but also we got him a um, refund of about $30,000. Uh, oh, wow. Because of, yeah, because they, they go retroactive and correct it back two or three years. And so that was kind of that was fun you know, to actually oh. see that refund come to them. And, again, that's something we don't benefit off of other than bringing these you know, value-added services to our customer sure sure um think of you know I, I don't mean to toot your horn or i do mean to toot your horn but to give you another idea of sort of of services we bring to the table and how we look at the kind of the holistic picture of our customers if we have a customer on the east coast and again uh, remain unnamed but you know who it is where we start talking to them about is um export tax incentives and having met you at conventions and gotten to know you i knew what you offered and and sure enough, he kind of looked at me with a glazed look. wasn't real familiar with what I was talking about. And we, I had you call him, and I think you ended up getting him a six-figure return. Uh, refund. A
0: refund, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So that that was fun, you know. And again, that's not something you don't pay us. We make nothing off it monetarily, but it's just it's good to see our customers uh, benefit from that. And so we bring a lot well, of types of things like that.
0: Well, and you talk about that, you know, specific client and, and, you know, there've been others too, but that specific one, you know, the most fun for me, and I don't know if you even know this, but you know, that client was so happy with us. um, And he was really just gushing his appreciation. And I said, no, no, no. I mean, we just did the work. Ron did the whole, the hard part. Ron's the guy you should should be thanking. And every year we, uh, we, we try to do that when, you know, they express their their pleasure with the result we always say now re- remember who it was that originally you know connected us and and remember don't don't hassle him uh you know just because your your rates might have gone up this year through uh, through no fault of his so uh, yeah that's uh, that's always fun to to be able to help a client right with another uh, uh another service
1: you know dave you just mentioned something about rates going up um yeah i'd be remiss not to, to kind of hit on that we honestly take a we're the advocate of our customers, and I think you know me well enough to know that. But what the other thing about being experienced and having access to some markets is we represent our customers. We do not represent the insurance companies, and so we, we hitch our wagon to our customers. And the point of that is insurance will always be going up or down depending on what's going on in the industry and in our economy, um, but we do not want to rest on one company. And so every year we aggressively market our customers' insurance um, so they don't have to. Uh, in other words, we're not going to just ride one company year after year and let that premium creep up. We're going to mm-hmm. hold each co- company accountable. We're going to force the pricing to be as low as possible, always looking for the best price. And, and that's something that a lot of agents don't do simply because they don't have the choices of insurance markets. They don't have access to insurance markets that we do, but we do, and that's our it's our responsibility to make sure we honor that and uh, and get the best pricing for our customers.
0: Oh, uh, that's I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I. I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it, uh, but but that makes sense. That it it's the it takes more work on your end, but it I'm it's the best. It's the best thing for your customer, and uh, in the long run, what's best for your customer ends up coming back to you, right? In terms of uh, you know greater loyalty and retention, right?
1: Well, and my integrity is very important to me. I don't want a customer to ever think that I. That I was not giving them my one hundred percent, you know, to protect their premiums, give them the best coverage. And um, you know, if I just sat and, and didn't market and just rested with one insurance company, then they would have to question that integrity. Now I never want that to happen.
0: Sure, sure. Um, uh, how about some other examples?
1: Mm, let's see.
0: Either where you've saved somebody a bunch of money. Or, uh, or got them a you know, lot better coverage or, or maybe. Yeah, remote. you know,
1: really does. I just can't tell you how many times we walk into a situation with a new prospect where we just slash their pricing. And that's the first thing that jumps out to them. You know, uh, sure. that's just the nature of the business. But the thing we we're so proud of is that we're not only able to do that, but to, to greatly increase their coverage. And that, that they don't really a lot of customers don't really appreciate that until they have a claim. Mm-hmm. And then when that un- unique and unusual claim is covered because of the specialized insurance we placed them, that's when I think they notice it and can really appreciate it. But until then, mm-hmm. it's basically the, the price savings. But I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many going back to the like conversion, how many of those kind of claims we've had, um, where again, typically most insurance policies don't cover it. Ours do. We mm-hmm. had one um, kind of North Texas where someone purchased some a truck, a trailer actually, truck tractor trailer, and. Um, did not know it was stolen. They crushed it, shredded it, whatever they did to it. And um, the rightful owner came in and said, "That's our trailer." And there was nine hundred thousand dollars worth of electronic equipment in the back of it. And of course, our customer said, "Look, we did buy the trailer. There was nothing in the back of it." But it's just those kind of nightmare situations that can pop up. And luckily, mm-hmm. we did have coverage for them that took care of them in that situation. We had another customer that similar situation where they were buying from industrial accounts and they had a Customer's employee, who they knew, had seen him many times there in the uniform, was bringing some oil filled equipment to him and um, did not know it was stolen, trusted the guy, trusted they'd been buying from this customer forever, and come to find out that it was stolen equipment to the tune of about $120,000. Oh, wow. And luckily there was, yeah, luckily there was c- coverage there for it, conversion coverage took care of that, where, again, most policies would not, and they would just be $120,000 out of the customer's pocket without that coverage. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of tell wow, I, I that's, have fun with that. I mean, it's kind of cool to see us sort of the, the coverages we put in place uh, come to fruition, really help our customers out.
0: That's good. Um, what about uh, you kind of touched early on that, you know, sometimes customers may not really uh, understand what you do or just misconceptions they'll have. Uh, what are some, some uh, you know, some of the biggest misconceptions that you've seen that now would be a great time for you to uh, to correct those those misunderstandings?
1: You know, I think probably the greatest misconception, and I understand it, you know, we, in all of our businesses, we're, we're just moving so fast and it's just such a crazy world <laughs> we're in that, um, and I'd probably even do it to some extent with my homeowner's insurance, which I shouldn't because I know better, but... I think the biggest misconception is that it's a commodity that mm-hmm. you know it's just a something they buy um because they have to have it. A, a bank requires them to have it whatever it might be and they don't fully appreciate and understand the benefits it's bring into them um and it's certainly not a commodity whatsoever it's i mean the very survivability if that's a word survivability of a business can can rest on whether you have the correct insurance in, in place again sure. it's, we see claims We've had a situation where um, an employee was was crushed and killed on a scrapyard, and um, I think that ran into a couple million dollars. Well, if if he had not had the right insurance, could he could his business have survived? Um, we've had other businesses where a tornado took the business out. Again, if they mm-hmm. didn't have the correct kind of insurance, could they have recovered from that? Or would the loss of income have been so great that it would have put them under? Um,
0: mm, right. You know, it's just,
1: it's, a, it's very critical and very important and. It's just so important for customers to actually, first of all, trust and understand that we're on their side and we're not trying to make money. We're there to help be their advocate, help them identify what their risks are, uh, be a consultant, and, uh, and then address those risks. And we'll put together the plans that will cover those risks, protect their businesses, and then it's up to them on kind of do a cost-benefit analysis of what they want to insure and what they don't want to insure. You know, everyone takes a certain amount of, of self-risk, and uh, we understand that. Again, our mm-hmm. job is to help them understand what those risks are and find ways to cover it if they want to. Mm-hmm. But probably the biggest thing is being a commodity.
0: Okay. Um, if uh, if somebody's uh, looking uh, for uh, you know a new insurance uh, broker, uh, what are some of the questions? And they're in the scrap industry. What are some of the questions you'd suggest that they ask the broker they're talking to? that they're interviewing? Pro-
1: yeah, that's a great question. Probably um, two main things just jump out to me. First of all is, you know, what experience do they have with the scrap industry? I mean, you know, maybe question them on certain details of the industry and just and, and judge their knowledge of the industry um, would probably be number one because having that base knowledge is going to be very important in a lot of ways because they've got to talk to underwriters. They've got to sell the, in- the insured to an underwriter, to claims people. Um, to a variety of individuals on the other end, and they've got to understand the industry to do that. But the second question I'd ask is, uh, what other scrap customers do they have? Do they just have one customer? Or do they not have any? Again, mm-hmm. that that will tell a lot about their experience, not only knowing the industry, but what access they may have to to uh, specialized in insurance markets. Um, so you know, all that's gonna gonna benefit the customer, but but definitely find out. Who else they should that's in the scrap industry, and then just uh, kind of pick their brain on what their knowledge is of the industry.
0: Yeah, because it kind of seems like there's two uh, two paths somebody could go down, uh, right? One is they could pick somebody in their local town who has a geographic focus, uh, but does not have an industry focus. So they have the benefit of that person, you know, being five minutes away, and you know they see them at at, uh, you know, around town and at the golf course and church or synagogue. Um, But the flip side of that is that means they're probably dealing with uh, more of a generalist, right?
1: That's correct. Absolutely.
0: Whereas using someone like you, it's a different approach. You're uh, you've got clients all over the country, so you're not down the street. They won't run into you socially. Um, But what you bring, though, is this specialized expertise and obviously, there's a lot of your customers that have decided that that's the path uh, that they think is the most prudent to to go with a specialist, even if they're not down the street. Because by definition, if you're in a small town and there's only two scrapyards in town or four scrapyards, and you're using somebody who's got a geographic locality, then by definition, they can't be an expert in the scrap business if there's only four scrapyards in town, right?
1: Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. And and Dave, you know, to be honest with you, um, across the country, almost every customer that we've obtained over the last, you know, 25, 26 years, it's been a situation where they have been with a particular insurance agency for, you know, gosh, 15, 20, 25, 30 years in some cases. And so that's not an easy change, and I understand that. But in the end, what most business owners understand is when something as important as this that could, dictate whether your company survives or not based on a claim being paid and so forth, or just simply the um, the cost. You know, if they can pay half the premiums, that's a sure. huge co- um, cost to the bottom line. You know, and, some, and it's usually just a no-brainer to make the move. And, and typically those agents, you know, if they really care about the customer, they understand uh, that it is what's best for them and it, it ends up being a, a pretty easy transition in most cases.
0: Okay. Is it usually price that creates the opportunity for you to get in the door? Or was it like a claim that wasn't paid? Or was it service or or all, all of the above sometimes?
1: Yeah, really all of the above. And that's why it's important when we talk to customers. Again, it gets back to listening. You know, what are their needs? What are their pain points? Um, you know, what's bothering them? Sometimes it is a claim wasn't paid and it probably could have been paid in another circumstance if someone had more knowledge about it. Or and we talked about some of these endorsements claim not paid because it didn't have the right endorsements or right coverage, uh, or simply um, it's just they're paying too much. You know, we can save them a lot of money. What happens a lot of times with a an agent doesn't have access to multiple markets, we call it premium creep, where right. know, they, they, that's the only insurance market they have for the customer, and so it's a certain price. And the next year, the insurance company comes in and says, "Look, upper." upper management told us we've got to get a 20% increase, or 15% increase. And that's what they passed along. And the agent really has no other choice but to accept it. Mm-hmm. And the next year, another 15%. the next year, another 15%. Um, yeah, and so, over a few years, yeah, it just creeps up to this astronomical amount of premium.
0: Yeah, well, so that's pay- why I get back to what we double. said earlier.
1: How, yeah, how we really, every single renewal year, we, we look at that pricing and we pit the insurance companies against each other and we create a competitive environment to keep that pricing down
0: mm-hmm well that uh well i can't believe how much we've uh we've been able to cover in a relatively short amount of time um if somebody is in the scrap metal business and is not using your service but is interested in exploring it um what would you suggest they do Do you want them just to call you or shoot you an email or uh, how would you like them to reach out to you
1: yeah, David, I, th- I think either, um, uh, either phone call or email, but ultimately at some point, I think it'd be best for us to actually talk. Um, that's the only way to really kind of communicate and find out what their needs are, what their current situation is. And as you know, we're easy to deal with. We're not pushing. Um, you know, they're, every once in a while, we find a case where they're where they should be and we tell them that. Um, mm-hmm. and we don't want to waste their time if we don't think we can be a significant help to them. But again, it gets sure. back to communication. I think either phone call or email, but ultimately, Best for us to actually talk either in person or by phone.
0: Sure. Well, what uh, phone number and email address might people use to reach you? The toll free
1: number would be 800 765 6767. 800 765 6767. And then my direct number, which call me day or night, is 903 571 1084. Nine zero three five seven one one zero eight four, and I can okay. call you know day and night and welcome them. Call me anytime. Email okay. would be Ron Hallmark. It's R O N dot H A L L M A R K at hibshallmark.com. It's all one word: H I B S and boy, B S and boy S. H A L L M A R K dot com.
0: Okay. Super. And then the other way they could connect with you is, I assume, I believe you'll be in Las Vegas in April at the Israel Annual Convention. Is that correct?
1: We will. No, we don't have a booth there. We did it in past years, but um, we find it easier to be able to visit with our customers and prospects and get around better because it's such a huge, you know, convention. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But certainly drop me an email. We can meet for a cup of coffee or, or something and visit while there because I'll be there the whole time. Yeah, And we will have a booth at the Gulf Coast uh, Convention in June down in Houston. Oh, okay. And we, okay. Just, well, we just got back, as you know, from the St. Louis Convention about uh, two weeks
0: yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 that was uh, that was good. And yeah, and uh, I will also be in Vegas in April and Houston in June. So that's another uh, uh, great opportunity if somebody's interested in exploring or talking to you. That'd be a a good way to do it. And and I can tell you, Ron's not, not pushy at all. He's just uh, very helpful. Oh, here's one last question. How far before renewal should people be talking to you?
1: Actually, that is a great question. Um, unfortunately many times it's two weeks, a month, you know, we can't have a chance to look at things, but but we always with renewals, we always start about 120 days out, start working on it. So four months. Um, Exactly. And uh, we have really love to have three months. That being said, it's very common. We, we start about 30 days with a lot of new prospects, and, and sometimes even less than that. And we'll do our best, but just so people will know, it's always to their benefit to, to start early. I know there's a sure. lot on everybody's plate, but the quicker and earlier you start, the better pricing you can get and better coverages.
0: So really, even six months out, if 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 they're starting a relationship with you and you know they're first wanting to just get to know you before they even have you quote them, even six months out, it's not too far out, is it?
1: There really is no too far out, to be honest with you, uh, because like with our current customers, it really isn't. We really are working with them year round. People don't see that necessarily, but just like we talked about with work comp experience modifiers, that information is sent to the insurance carrier to NCCI about six months before the end of the policy, six or seven months. So about seven or eight months before, before the end of the policy, we need to be there with our customer looking through their loss runs for work comp, finding out if they're correct, if there's something still open that should be closed, because we want to get that information corrected before it goes to the CCI. And so and it's, about, really a, yeah, it's really a 12-month sort of process.
0: Okay. Well, and what about, let, let's say somebody has a uh, a 1-1 renewal, and so it seems like it's way too early to start talking, but let's just say they talk to you and they're one of those customers that you could reduce their premium by half. Conceptually, could you start a new program earlier than 1-1 of next year and just terminate the current program, or does that current program have to run its course?
1: No, absolutely. And we do that quite often. It's not uncommon at all to do that, especially if we, when we look at the through- coverages and we we can identify that the pricing is way out of whack way too high or if their companies is really in jeopardy of a potentially un, unpaid claim because of their coverages you know whatever it might be there may be a need to in you know, a desire on all parties to go ahead and get this changed right away in most cases um there are no penalties to changing so we can provide proposals let them look at it review it with them show them how it benefits them If they make that decision to change, there's usually not a penalty of canceling the other policy and then starting with the new policy at lower premiums and better coverage. Now, there are some surplus lines companies that you'll have to wait 30, excuse me, 90 days after the effective date. So basically after the third month of the policy, then you can change with no penalties. But again, that's just on surplus lines type policies. So, We help walk the customer through that, the pros and cons. Sure, sure. So if I'm hearing
0: you correctly, the best time to talk to Ron is today, and the next best yeah. time is tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. And the next best time is tomorrow, right, regardless of when, when it, the uh, when the renewal is.
1: Yeah, it gets back to just talking. Again, call, and um, it's never too soon to call, and we'll just advise and, and show you the pros and cons of waiting to renewal or, or trying to do something right away.
0: Now, what if somebody Again, calls At the end of you, the day,
1: the customer is the one that makes that decision.
0: Sure, sure. Now, what if someone calls you and says, uh, uh, "You know, hey Ron, we, we've had the same insurance broker for forty years, and and they've now retired, and uh, and somebody new in their office has taken over. We think we've got good coverage, but we just really feel like we're we're not getting any kind of service at all. Uh, is it possible for you to come in and actually uh, keep them with the same carrier? But if they want you, you can take over the uh, management of that." Uh, uh,
1: situation yeah no good question as well um for instance the there's recycle guard it's an endorsed carrier misery we work with them they are it is open to to most insurance companies so or to agents so we do from time to time find a customer with recycle guard through a different agent and then whatever may happen the, the agent may retire or they may not be happy with their service or whatever the case may be and in that case we come in and do what's called agent record letter and they make us the official agent. All, and then immediately they get our experience, experience and expertise in the industry. And then at that point, we go to work with them. We, look at, we start negotiating with Recycled Guard to see if there's anything we can do to improve the policies and maybe even get pricing down immediately, not wait to renewal. And at the same time, yeah. we start preparing for renewal to look at all our other markets. And again, getting back to who is going to be the best choice. Is it still Recycled Guard or is it another carrier? It doesn't matter to us. We just want what's best for the customer.
0: So I think my my, uh, my rule of thumb is even broader now. So regardless of what carrier they're currently with, regardless of who their agent is and regardless of when their renewal is, today's a good day to talk to Ron Hallmark, right?
1: I would agree. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Well, super. Well, I really uh, appreciate your time today, uh, Ron. And, and I really appreciate the great job you've done for our clients through the years. You really make us look uh, look like a, a superstar uh, because we know you and can bring you to the table. And a lot of folks just don't know that there's a specialized insurance brokerage firm such as yours. So so, so thanks again for being such a great uh, friend of our firm.
1: Yeah, Dave, and I'm kind of same sentiments about you and your service as well. You've done some great things for our customers. And again, it's not anything I get paid off of, but um, I, I love what you've done for them and you've benefited them. And I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me on today. This is fun.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it has been well. Hey, well, it, it was good talking to you, and uh, I will probably see you in Las Vegas in April.
1: Yeah, sounds good to see you then. All right, thanks, Ron. Yeah, take care, David. Bye. All right, bye.
0: There we have it, another great episode. Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation, go to show dot com. That's ic dash d i s c show.com and we have additional information on the podcast, archived episodes, as well as a button to be a guest. So if you'd like to be a guest, go select that and fill out the information and we'd love to have you on the show. So that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of the IC Disc Show.